this week's episode and the season three finale of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bria, 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 and Bria. Yes, we'll address that in just a minute. Last week, though, we had a little roundtable discussion about the prophecies that the party has received since they arrived in the last refuge. We had some good conversation about what they might all possibly mean, and the party has some really interesting things to think about before they move forward into Season 4. This week, though, as you might have noticed, we have a long-lost friend rejoining us. Bria is back, and it's time to find out what she's been up to for these past few months. Let's get this conversation started. Hey, y'all. And yes, y'all can be singular, so. Hey, y'all. What's up, y'all? Hey, y'all. Hey, you know, how you been for the last, well, in-game, uh, two and a half months out of game? How long's it been? Seven months? Six months? God, has it really been that long? Well, she's four months. Oh, my God. She being the lovely uh, child that you have produced in these months since you've been away. Yeah. Uh, um, I had- oh, no, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I've had several listeners uh, very concernedly message me uh, asking if you quit the show. And they said, no, we told you she had a baby. Yeah, y'all got to listen to the end of the episodes. There's (laughs) bloopers there. That's my favorite part. There are bloopers. I know. I understand that, like, I say a lot of the same stuff at the end of every episode, but you're missing the bloopers, y'all. If you look, if you missed, there was one blooper. When I was talking about Silfson and trying to explain the Yuan Tea City. I don't know what episode it is. I'll find it later and post it on Twitter. But go listen to that blooper because I listened to it yesterday. It's been months. I listened to it yesterday and I still almost peed myself laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could do this for an hour and a half. I, but... I think that this is what everyone wants to hear, though. So I think that we should just... I still think that I need to go back and listen to every episode and, and actually record my responses to everything because it's, I, it's pretty much suggest that to me too. It's pretty much just me being like, no, stop, no, don't do that. <laughs> this is definitely a spinoff podcast. You just, uh, just talking about the episodes and also not the episodes. Excellent. Um, but we're we're not on the spinoff yet. We are on the season three finale, so we should probably get something done. Since this is apparently supposed to be an important episode. Okay, so um, to remind listeners, since it has been uh, several months out of game in the real world, several months and lots of episodes, we left Bria, well, we saw a fake Bria in the Halloween special, right? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't really you, right? I mean, it was it was me, but not... I mean, it, it was, yes, it was you, the player, but not, but not Bria, the, the Azamar, was not actually there. So we haven't, we haven't seen actual Azamar Bria uh, since... They, since you all were at the temple and the guardians confronted you about returning the two keys that you all had at the time, and the deal was that the party could keep the two keys to go in search of the third, but they had to leave you behind as collateral. Mm-hmm. So your time with the guardians perhaps didn't start in the most uh, amiable of ways, but you've had a few months uh, to live in and among them. We know that you've had some sort of effect on them because we have seen the results of your talking to them about the kobolds. Uh, we know that a few kobolds have been selected to undergo testing and training to join the guardians. So that's uh, an exciting, an exciting development for the islands that you have been a part of. Um, but we should start at the beginning and start finding out what Bria has been up to. Okay, that seems like a very good place to start. 
Thank you very much. I don't make that joke enough. Flick will be mad at me, and I don't care. Uh, okay, so um, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, the first, the early days of when Bria was there with the Guardians? And I'll, I'll you know, if anything particularly stands out as something that wouldn't happen, I'll uh, gently correct you. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of let you have a little bit of uh, narrative freedom here. Sure. So I think that pretty much as soon as, because we had this like really beautiful moment of them walking away and me kind of standing in the forest with them and all of that. We did. It was lovely. In fact, why don't we listen to it one more time just to really get the feels going? Okay, perfect. Um, I will take off my shield and hand it to Kit. And I'll take my spoons. I'm going to cry for real. You're a jerk. <laughs> and I'll Sorry. hand them to Flick and say, just in case... I'm so sad. <laughs> Just in case the grass doesn't work. Uh, what do I have to give to Bizdira? Mm. <laughs> I know. I know. Wait, are you ready for it? What? See, so I know what you give to Bizdira. Can I give her See? my sneak bonus? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be the best gift anyone ever no. gave her. <laughs> uh, no, but you do take off... You have clothes on, so you do take off your leather armor and you retrieve the sack of beetles from the from the bag, and you hand them both to Bizdira. <laughs> so you do this. So you want me to go into battle, and you want me to make your armor as I'm I go into say, battle. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yeah, this is exactly what I do: is I hand them both to her, and I say, "Now you have to return. Now you have to come back to me because I'm gonna need these beetles back." <sighs> All of this was a giant ploy to get you to put these beetles on my arm. <laughs> I love how you you literally are sending me to my potential death and you're giving me a project to do. Yeah, we're sisters. That's what we do. All right. Whatever. So Bria passes those three things armor. out and the, the Yuan-Ti and the orcs are just standing, you know, quietly while this happens. And the orc leader picks up the shimmer scale from where it was on the ground and holds it out towards the four of you. Um, before Bria goes, uh, Bizdera wants to grab her in a headlock and give her a noogie and then push her towards the guardians. <laughs> and I'm mad yeah, because I, I can't so. use blazing retaliation against her. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Flick is going to um, cast Thaumaturgy oh, no. and throw <laughs> glitter on uh, Bria. I'm definitely going to spin around in the glitter. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. also want to give Bria a big hug. And Kit is for sure crying. Like, ugly crying. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. And Bria goes and stands on their side of the parlay field and faces you all. And then we get into the giant air balloon and it flies away. And it this was all a dream. Like. It was all a dream all along. Oh, Scarecrow, I'll miss you most of all. <laughs> but who is Scarecrow? It's Flick. <laughs> it's absolutely Flick. Yeah, no, that's not a question. And the two leaders sort of nod to each other and then to you, Bria, and they begin to, along with their entourage, to walk into the forest. And then there's another earthquake. Do I have to go with them? Yeah, there's another earthquake. There is not another earthquake, but yes, Bria, they're sort of expecting you to join them. Okay. I want to watch my friends walk off into the sunset. I think they I think they get to watch you walk off this time. Yeah. Oh, that's just mean. You can, you can turn around Bizdera and take one last look. Flick is 100% has weeping. her mask down at this point. Uh, mask down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. All right, well... And, and off they walk. And into the trees. And eventually there are just too many trees between the three of you and them for you to be able to see her anymore. And she's gone. So I picture this happening and, you know, I turn around to the guardians right after they, I can't see them anymore. And the guardians look at me and say, congratulations, you're now level five. God damn it. (laughs) How did I not see that coming? You gave me freedom. (laughs) I did. You know what? I'm tempted to say, you know what? You're right. That's exactly what happens. Excellent. Because then I can get to like seven. The guardians are direct instruments of my will. And just have the power to grant levels and also death. Okay. They're not going to kill me. I'm going to charm them. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to go ahead. I know you're going to want me to roll for this. So I'm going to roll persuasion for you against you. Okay. Is this still about the level? Yes. (laughs) This is a very high DC, my love. Did you roll a one or a 20? I rolled a four. Um, (laughs) So it's an eight for persuasion. They take a level away. You're level yeah. three now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, no, that actually is a that is a good uh, a good in actually for some of what has been happening these two months, um, which is that the rest of your party has leveled to five, and as tempting as it is to make you a level behind them just to piss you off, uh, I do think that that Bria has been up to some stuff that probably would grant her a level. So, what sorts of things have you been doing in terms of uh, training of your skills with the guardians? And it can involve them directly or or not. Um, um, I assume you're going to take another level in Rogue. We're not multi-classing, right? No, and I'm just going to pull this up to see real quick what um, what I get for... So I believe at 5th level, and I would have to look, but I believe at 5th level you get Uncanny Dodge, okay. um, which allows you to have the physical damage, or the damage of any attack you can see once as a reaction once per round. 5th level is also a huge level because your proficiency bonus goes up, and for you, your sneak attack goes up to 3d6. Um, okay. Cool. So let's do this. I think Bria's not actually going to ever try to leave at any point, but I sure. think she's going to play with them um, and spend a lot of time playing hide and seek, essentially, and just kind of hiding away from them and then seeing how she can escape, um, but not ever actually like making escape plans or anything like that. Um, so that's that's how I think she gets this extra sneak is doing that. They hate this. <laughs> this this stresses them out a lot. <laughs> but there's um, like one of them I picture who's like a little bit more matronly, um, who like kind of likes it. Maybe. Is it an orc or UNT? Ah, uh, my original instinct was UNT, but because the orcs are so like female based, I think it might have to be an orc. She's okay. she gives really um, good hugs. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I'm, I told you you had narrative freedom and, and so sh- sure. Um, but I will use this, this opportunity actually to, to point out yet another thing that you learn over your time, uh, with the, with the guardians, which is that these individuals, um, were, were taken either at a young enough age to begin their training or were, 
I, indoctrinated sounds like brainwashy, but but trained well enough with the Guardians that they really help hold on to very few of their uh their communities, their original communities, uh traditions and sort of cultural norms. Um, you know, the Yuan are not obsessed with magic items. Uh the the orcs are first of all not all female. There are females and males, um, but the males are no more uh deferential to the females or vice versa it's all sort of about seniority um but sure there is a a somewhat matronly uh orc who thinks it's funny that you stress out the rest of the uh the rest of the guardians every couple of days pretending to try and escape can she sneak me sweets i think don't push your luck but okay yes i just picture her like rewarding me like a dog for doing this (laughs) i like that so yes that might be actually what she thinks of you as. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I like that a lot. She's I'm not really sure how to deal with you, this humanoid that's not you onto your orc. And so you become her pet. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, um, yeah, please. Um, I think it's gone now, but it was okay. pretty good. That's all right. If it comes back, let me know. In the meantime, okay, so we've talked about how you train, some of the things that you did to train to level uh, to level five. That's fine. Talked about some of your interactions with some of the guardians. Now, there were other things that you wanted to accomplish in staying here, right? You chose to stay because somebody needed to, but there were other things that you wanted to accomplish. What were some of those things? Well, I think the big thing is definitely, um, and I probably would have started working on this right away to feel like I had some purpose in staying, mm-hmm. um, is, is trying to get a kobold uh, becoming, or some kobolds becoming part of the Guardians. Definitely. Um, so tell me a little bit about about that early work. So first of all, just sort of alerting them to the presence of an actual community of, and a, and a society of kobolds would be uh, interesting information to them. Um, but then beyond that, like, what sorts of things do you tell them uh, to try and get them to to add a whole new group of people to... Uh, the ranks of the guardians. I think I might actually go through the whole thing. Um, yeah. Which okay. I think Flick said he might have done. Obviously, we didn't play the whole thing out. Um, but the whole thing as far as like how, um, how much of an established community it is, um, that it's not just like some kobolds like in tunnels that like they have all of these things. They had obviously the shimmer scale. Um, and just kind of lifestyle there as well as obviously like all the stuff with Koshak. And all of that, too. Um, so I think I'd, I'd kind of give him the gist. And I don't think that would have taken a terribly long amount of time, but just the gist of all of that. And I would probably uh, talk about Hawks a good amount, too, and the knowledge and all of that and the books and all that stuff. Great. Um, and how much then do you tell – so that's sort of season one, if I may. How much yeah. do you tell them about about the war with the orcs? War, warlet, the battle, the, the, the mini war? Um – I would tell them that we were attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, we did nothing to start it. They just decided to attack. Um, I think I think a good amount of it. I I think because we did try to resolve it peacefully. Um, so I think I I think I know the answer. But can I ask what your hesitation is about talking more about this? Uh, conflict? I just I just don't know if I'm going to tell them about um the kebabs. Um, <laughs> oh, that's actually not what I thought it was. I kind of forgot about the kebabs, but yeah, uh-huh, sure. Well, yeah, no, just more the 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 uh, the murders at the end there. Um, yeah, so I mean, the the one with the the tri the 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 
what did I call her? The chieftain was like totally legit. She challenged you all. But anyway, yeah. yes, I get that. I get that hesitation. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So you sort of tell them about all this and, uh, they are very intrigued and they, they definitely want to know more about the kobolds. They're not immediately convinced, uh, that, that the kobolds are guardian materials. Um, but they, uh, they say that they'll think about it and, um, Make me an, uh, this is just sort of a, a, a general check because I want to know how much you sort of begin to figure out at this early stage about the organization of the Guardian. So make me an intelligence investigation check. 16? Yeah. So you realize that obviously all of them are, are well trained in various forms of combat. Um, and they do have all manner of, of, martial prowess some of them are good with range weapons some of them are good with melee weapons there are a few very few uh spell casters but they're nothing like you or flick or kit their power is very different uh from what any of the three of you are able to wield and it's still early days so you haven't really cracked that nut yet but you know that they're out there but beyond the actual guarding of the temple, they are in some small ways their own sort of little society. And they have, uh, they have scholars and they have uh, builders and they have, you know, uh, 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 producers, uh, cooks and, and artisans and things like that. And it's all on a much smaller scale because everything about their society ultimately revolves around the guarding of the temple. Uh, but they do have these specializations and, you happen to notice that a group of the scholars seems to be uh, much more active and busy in the days after you begin telling them the story of the kobolds. And eventually, uh, they come back to you and they, they sort of ask some follow-up questions and they get some clarifications. And they bring you in one day to a, a sort of gathering of of many of the guardians, most of them scholars, to tell you that they think they have found some interesting confirmation about what you're telling them in their texts. They seem to have some collection, not sure how big or small, of ancient writings and information about the past. And most of it, it seems like, is, again, related to the temple uh, and and sort of anything that, that relates to that. But they do have some of this writing, and, and many of them realize that some of their translations of this ancient writing was misguided, we'll say. And they tell you that what they had always believed the writings told them was that the two races here on the last refuge, being the orcs and the Yuan-Ti, were sort of left behind here on the island with the express purpose of guarding this temple. And what they realize is that they misunderstood a good portion of the history of the temple and the island itself, and that there never were just two. There were always meant to be three races that balanced each other and guarded the temple. And with this realization, they very quickly decide that it is time to do as you suggested and bring the kobolds into the fold as they, it seems, were always meant to be uh, of the guardians. Um, I have so many questions. Good. Um, that's what we want. I won't be able to answer all of them, but some of them. Um, so... Hold on, I'm taking notes because my brain is a mom brain now. Um, yeah, because you never took notes before. 
Well, but see, I was in the middle of taking a note and it's gone. <laughs> um, oh, maybe. Okay. Um, first, obviously we're protecting this temple. I'm backtracking a little bit, but then we'll come back. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Do they live in a city? No. Um, and they, they have a sort of meeting place that's not far from the, from the temple designated as, uh, well, sort of a meeting place, right? A, a center of activity where they can gather to, uh, discuss things and, and where, any sort of shift of guards of the temple passes through. But otherwise, they're not super centralized, and you get the impression that this is sort of on purpose, uh, that should anything ever happen to... Not that they... I mean, not that they expect any particular population of the last refuge to come and attack them for any reason. But, you know, old, old traditions die hard, and it seems like this was maybe another thing that was imparted to them by the ancient writings... They are pretty spread out. Uh, they have, you know, very small gather, small collections of pretty makeshift, uh, living quarters and things like that. Some of the, the producers, some of the, the artisans and, and some of the artisans and things like that do have small workshops that they've put together. They're a little more, you know, permanent and sturdy looking. But again, for the most part, so much of their life revolves around their shifts as guardians of the temple. That they really, everything else is secondary. And that includes sort of any sort of grand permanent city. That's sad. Um, I don't think they see it as such because to them, you know, this duty of guarding the temple is, is both serious and sacred and, and honorable. But yeah, as an outsider looking in, it is a little sad. Okay. You also said the words, they were left behind. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Tell me a little mo- more about that. Okay, so this is gonna, uh, this sets off an important sort of question for the future chain of events of what we're gonna talk about today, which is, um, we know that they are very secretive about things. And they told you this about, uh, the writings and about the kobolds and the three races because they would like for you to help in bringing the kobolds in. They understand, especially after you told them more about the, the warlet with the orcs, that there's gonna be some distrust if a bunch of orcs and Yuan-Ti come knocking on their tunnel doors, right? So, so they told you that because they wanted to involve you in this step. That said, we know they're very secretive. We know they don't like to talk about the temple and why they're there and the specifics of really much of anything. So how is it that you are going to convince them to let you in at least to some small ex- extent? Um, well, I was keeping this in my pocket, but I'm going to pull it out of my pocket. Um, <laughs> so especially because of the situation that just happened, and maybe I'll have my master, my owner, whatever you'll call her, my okay. nice, my nice hugging orc um, next uh-huh. to me, so maybe I get somebody on my side. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna bring up like, okay, you've had these ancient texts for all of these years, and in just me telling you one and a half stories, two stories, all of a sudden your ancient ch- texts have become completely different, and all of a sudden there's there's three groups that were always meant to do this. So in us having these discussions. There may be some things that I'm able to bring because I've traveled around the last refuge more than they have. And I don't think that they would argue with that. There might be some things that I can say that might bring light to these translations, um, including things like how they're supposed to protect the temple and if the keys need to be kept away from it or whatever. Uh, so yeah, so I think that the translations could potentially be viewed differently with more 
eyes looking at it. Give me okay. all your books. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good argument. So I think make me a charisma persuasion check with advantage. It's a good argument, and and I will go ahead and tell you that there are sort of two possible levels of success. Um, they're going to be much more ready to let you in on stuff about the history of the island and why they're there and things like that. What's going to be the harder, the higher DC, the harder check, right, is going to be convincing them to let you in on more about the temple because they are very, very protective of both the temple and any knowledge about it. It's sort of that thing where, like, if you don't know anything, you can't fuck it up. Right. So, okay, so go ahead and make that, go ahead and make that check with advantage. A 19! But what's the thing? <laughs> uh, charisma persuasion. Persuasion! 23! Give me all okay. of the information. Okay, good. Um, it takes some time, right? This is a, this, that was a single check that sort of represents days and days, weeks and weeks of gaining their trust and convincing them. And it starts small and they start by being willing to share with you a little bit more about the, uh, the history of the races that came to the island. So basically what they tell you is that, um, the island was populated centuries ago, longer ago than uh, even their texts will go. Um, when people fled a great calamity on the mainland, and they're real at first, much like they are with the temple, they're real reluctant to say anything more about this calamity. Other than that, terrible destruction was wrought, people had to flee, or all of civilization would have ended. And so they fled here to this island. And when they got here, the races that were here, which were not just Cobalt, Juanti, and Orcs, but many different races, worked together here to... Um, how did they put it here in these early days to control and, and one of them uses the word imprison, uh, the destruction that was start, that had started on the mainland and threatened to overtake the entire world. And, and it was a great work and it required much sacrifice. And once it was done, the other races vanished and the kobolds, the orcs and the Yuan-Ti were left here to guard this temple, which contains, and this is where they start at the beginning to be real, uh, real hesitant to say much, but they were, they were sent to guard the temple, which is a, is a key piece in continuing to contain the destruction of the mainland. Okay. After some time goes by, you do some more training, you get fed more treats by your master. Oh! Oh my god. You begin to point out some things. You're able to tell them a little bit about the kobolds origin legends, right? Which talk about how the kobolds came to the island because they were fleeing from the orcs and the Yuanti, right? Who were persecuting them was, was the original story of the kobolds. Mm -hmm. And while that is obviously maybe not entirely true, you all are able to sort of piece together what bits of that legend are true. It clarifies some things about uh, who exactly came over when and, and what that flight was like. And so they begin to trust you more. And they are a little bit willing to tell you a little bit more about uh, the temple itself. And they explain that the reason that they're set to guard the temple uh, is that inside, somewhere inside, is uh, the key to unlocking the the cage, the binds of this destroyer on the mainland. 
And uh, it isn't the temple itself. Uh, they had a rogue guardian, and they have they have altered their uh, training significantly since this event. But they had a rogue guardian who opened up the temple once, uh, who tried to get into the temple. Uh, and opening the temple in and of itself didn't release this destroyer. So they know that there must be something inside that is the key. None of them have ever been inside. They don't know what it is. They don't know how it works. They don't know anything more about it. They just know that no one is ever allowed inside because should the key be found and used, destruction might be wrought upon the land as it is freed from its imprisonment on the mainland. Okay. What else do they tell you at this point? I think that's I think that's all they tell you at this point in terms of that sort of line of questioning. Um, I think we asked this before, mm-hmm. but they are sure that this is the only temple including mm. on the mainland. Is that right? That's such a good question. So, yes, but I know Flick has more than once mentioned to some extent the concerns about his siblings and about other keys. Yes? Yes. And I will bring those up because that's where I'm going with this. Great. So they are really, really going to quiz you about all of that. And I know that you weren't the one who saw the vision that Flick saw, but I know also that you all have talked about it extensively. Um, So uh, if you are willing to sort of tell all that you know anyway about this, then that's going to set off another flurry of scholar activity for a while. Yeah, I don't see any reason why not to, um, because I am also kind of on the fence about, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't know how we would convince them to be like, hey, let us get in here and we're going to consecrate this temple for a god you don't know. Um, but that's a problem for another day. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason. I mean, the whole reason we wanted to talk to them in the first place was to talk to them about this pending doom, because I think that we're trying to protect against that, too. So, um, sure. yeah, I think I think I'd tell them about the prophecy and all of that stuff, too. Um, yeah, so they most of them don't believe you or or they believe that you are telling what you think is the truth, but they can't imagine that that is actually the case. Can I point um, out that like they they know kind of the the power of the scale and I'm always going to call it a scale. I'm never going to call it a key just to make a mad. I know. <laughs> um, but I'll point out, like, they know the power of the one uh, of of these. So, like, should they not believe then that this prophecy is real? Yeah, absolutely. And And that argument really goes a long way with the scholars, which ultimately is all that matters, right? Because they're the ones who are going to do the research and, and sort of try and figure out what, what that means. And so they, like so many scholars do, go back to their books and they go over their translations. They use some of the corrections that were useful to them in discovering, uh, that it was two or that it was three and not two, right? For the original protector races. Um, they realize that their, uh, their numerical translations weren't entirely accurate, that sometimes, uh, the plural forms look a lot like the singular forms. Uh, and they go over some things and, they are not sure. There are some really vague references to what might possibly be other keys and other temples and other cages is the word that they use uh, to to keep this destroyer, this destruction at bay. And all that they're really able to figure out is that the references that they find are linked to that symbol like always there is a drawing of the symbol that's on the door of their temple. And if you remember, 
that symbol that's on the door to their temple is our logo. I do remember. Uh, I wrote something else down. <laughs> okay. Mm. I want to know, I'm thinking about that, what they just said more, but I want to know more about what happened with this rogue guardian, if there's anything else to be told. Oh, I mean... They're, they don't love talking about it, not because they're secretive about it, but because it's sort of a blemish on their history. Um, it was, they, much of the records of them have been stricken from all of their writings. So they literally don't know their name, their gender, their race. They don't know anything about them other than that they were not, clearly they had not been trained. They had not been screened well enough. And then they had not been trained in the import of their mission here. And somehow they got a hold of all three keys and managed to open the temple and were were killed uh, as soon as they took set foot in the temple. Not by the temple, by the guardians. Oh, the guardians I was like, okay, well, that answers down. that question. No no no. <laughs> no, no, no. The guardians took them down immediately. You know, and that is why uh, they realize that that is why the ancient texts specify that no guardian should ever be on uh, sentry duty alone. Okay. What did you think I was going to say? That phase. That no guardian should ever be allowed inside. And I was like, well, there we go. You guys are guardians. I'm not a guardian. I'm heading inside. See ya. I mean, that is true. No guardian should ever be allowed inside, but neither should anybody else. Okay. So going back just to, you know, make it fun for our listeners slash you. Uh um, So very clearly then there are 12 keys, four temples, one key inside of each. So four keys. And then all of those keys unlock the beast. So, like... Very clearly, huh? Very... It's so clear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. What what order are you releasing? Is this going to be before the talkback stuff? Or is the talkback before this uh no actually this is going to be after the talkbacks and i really love the way that we're doing this because a lot of things that i've said here would super trigger a bunch of ideas in the other three based on what we talked about in last week's episode but because you weren't there for that recording you don't know exactly the things that they have puzzled out so i can't wait for all of you to listen to each other's episodes and for us to get back together and finally get to record the five of us again and figure all this out. I'm very excited about it. Well, I mean, I've, I figured it all out, so. Um. Okay, well. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, uh, so that's solved. So like us consecrating one temple should be totes fine. No problem. Um, Rogue Guardian. Okay, so I feel like that, like, that gives me a lot of information. I don't have any other questions at this point. Um, obviously, we need to get to the kobolds since all of this was like a side conversation after they said, yeah, sure, you can go grab a kobold. Um, and it all sort of, it, this is all sort of happening, overlapping and talking on top of, you know, everything that's happening. So while this was going on, yes, you were making plans to go to the kobolds and all that. So I, I think for me, that's kind of the next thing I want to discover is what happens there. With the kobolds? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you all go and, and, uh, they sort of tell you a little bit about what this process is going to be. Um, some of it, they're going to, like, the details of the tests that they're going to administer are going to be kept secret, even from you, even with that great persuasion, because the real, the things involving the specific rituals of their duties are, are sacred and secret, right? Sacred secrets. Sacred secrets. Was that an episode title a long time ago? I, I think remember. so. Or I at least suggested it. Right. 
But what they will tell you is some of the things that they're going to look for. One thing that they say is that ideally they would find very young kobolds uh, to come and and begin their training uh, early on in life. They're sort of a little bit more willing to take some uh, some older kobolds just because, uh, you know, it would be good to have a a contingent of kobolds that is sort of battle ready and and ready to just immediately integrate into society as with the guardians as they are trained. Um, but they would also like to find some youngers to begin the process of really sort of uh, like they do, like they try and do with the orcs and the Yuan-Ti, getting them, you know, from the ground up, as it were. Um, Sidetrack. Um, that's the episode title for this one. Um, even though I wrote down a great calamity, but I like sidetrack because that's what I'm doing. Um, okay. I think... They're going to get so mad at me if I do this. Uh-oh. No, let's 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 go to the kobolds first and then Okay. Uh, I think I I'm trying to figure out how your brain works and what's going to get me the best result from your brain. Um <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> you are the worst. Um it's after. Okay. Okay. So it's after we see the kobolds. This going I'm going to get a better result from this. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so you all head over to the kobolds and, um, so they're looking for two things. They're looking for younger kobolds, which I, you guys didn't really have ever any interaction with any parents, uh, not of any significant nature in, in the tribe. Um, so that I don't know how much you can help them with. However, they, like I said, they are looking for some adults who can sort of more quickly integrate into society there. And they definitely want people who are, um, you know, combat capable, at least to some extent, because on the off chance that some fools from another world decide suddenly port in and try and open the temple, they want to, uh, you know, be able to have uh, kobolds that can do their part in protecting the temple physically. Um, So do you have any suggestions for that? Um, Obviously, I'm going to go to Dranks. I would say that uh, I would enter first. Definitely. On my own, leave them kind of in the forest, find hawks, find Dranks, have those conversations, um, and then bring them in. Yeah, absolutely. So you do that. They're overjoyed to see you. They're very confused to see you uh, because you're by yourself. Which, I'm going to make you know, like a whole big seen. thing about like how everyone else died of heartbreak from what happened. And <laughs> wait, are Varn and Arx together right now in the story? Um, I think they're probably like in the trial separation period. Okay. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to note that down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so yeah, so I, I bring him in and do all of that. I, I'll make like some type of stupid Bria joke about how I'm all alone and then move along. Um, Ugh. anyways, but I do think that, um, I think, uh, obviously drinks, um, for like the more combat stuff. Um, yep. and then, and maybe this is how he becomes a swobald. Um, they give him some steroids. <laughs> Um, but I do think I, I want them to kind of talk to Hawks too, because I think that the intent for me with all of this was to have kind of some more educated kobolds involved in this, because I think that the stories meshing together is really important too, just like what we've been doing. Definitely. And I think that is something that I, I hadn't considered when we recorded the episode, uh, where the rest of your party came and found all the changes. Uh, One thing that I didn't talk about because I didn't think about it at the time, but yes, this exposure to... Uh, I'm not going to say the true history of the island, but another very different account of the origins of the kobold on this island is also something that is really going to shake them up, right? And I think will contribute to... Actually, in, obviously, it's a big shakeup, and that's unfortunate, and sort of shakes the foundations of some of their beliefs about who they are, which is tough. Um, but I also think in that 
in that it shakes up uh, the origin story of the Shimmer Scale, I think in some small ways it is also helpful to them sort of letting go of the Shimmer Scale as the very core of who they are when they realize that that maybe the legend of it being a gift from their draconic ancestor is not quite as literally true as they as they thought. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I said, contributes to uh, them being able to let that go a little bit. Um, yes, Hawks definitely wants to talk to them. Dranks, uh, is fascinated to learn from some of them. Uh, first of all, all of this takes a little bit of time. And though we sort of hand waved over it, your convincing them to let a bunch of orcs and Yuan T into their tunnels was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the orcs are very uncomfortable here underground. Yeah. They are. They don't really fit very well. Um, which is probably. Uh, somewhat comforting to the kobolds, honestly. Uh, so that whole conversation was, was not super easy. And surprise, surprise, like Varn was very against it. Hawks was more willing. Um, Arix, you know, at this point sort of wanted to stay out of it a little bit, but he was very happy to see you. And in private, he said, you know, that he hopes that the council comes to the decision to let them in. Um, uh, you did at this point get a chance to meet. I think at this point, Jess was not part of the council, but Varn had taken on Tulip as his apprentice, and so you got to meet Tulip, and she is maybe not part of the council yet, but she's, you know, it's clear that she is an important figure to many of the council members. Um, I'm gonna, um, since I've noticed that they have their trial separation, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, like, I'm gonna, since they're not, like, living in the same quarters anymore, I'm shacking up with Arix. I'm not even gonna stay in our room. We're gonna have pillow fights and long talks. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> But with Varn, uh, I'm gonna kind of like, when like we're walking by a, a door, like there's like a wall and a door, I'm gonna kind of like corner him in between before he can go out the door with my shoulder and just okay. be like, you better not be doing anything with Tulip. And then give him a dirty look and then like pat him on the back and be like, just kidding, buddy. <laughs> he just looks like so confused and shocked at the, even that the suggestion. He's like, uh, no, no, don't worry. He turns into Arix. Oh, you were talking to Varn. Yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to Arix. No. Oh, no. He's like, absolutely not. That's so incredibly inappropriate. She's my apprentice. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> You're the worst. All right. Um, so yeah. So, uh, they come in. You, you know, you finally convince them all to let them in. Varn is, uh, never really on board until the conversation start. And then he sort of, you know, gets on board. And yeah, so they, I mean, unless there's anything else specifically about this, they come away with a few of the militia kobolds that Dranks had been training up. Um, and, and, uh, Dranks is super proud to have been a part of, uh, to have been a part of helping them get selected. Um, and then they do, they, they only really come away with two younger kobolds, um, because the population at large, like, like anything else, like, right? Like, they're not privy to all of this information. And so, especially at this early point, and, and, you know, the guardians feel like they need to sort of hurry this along and get back and start the training and they can't spend days and days and weeks here. Um, so with all of this quick turnaround, the, the society at large really is uncomfortable with the idea of sending off kids to, to totally leave their families and their homes behind forever and become a part of this mysterious cabal of, of quote unquote guardians in a dangerous part of the island, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's really, there are two, uh, that, uh, were, 
orphaned at a young age. Their parents, for various reasons, had had passed. They're not siblings. They're they're not family. Um, they were orphaned, and they had been taken in by other families. Uh, but these two kobolds were old enough to sort of have the the presence of mind to say to their adopted parents, you know, thank you very much for everything that you've done. But we've always felt like we were not really a part of family and society here, and maybe this is our chance. And so those two do go off to train. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe in the future, once the, the tribe has had a, a more of a chance to adjust to this new reality, more parents will be willing, but it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to sort of, you know, grapple with, especially very quickly. Yeah. Do I have any experience with chuckles on this visit? Um, no. And this is before, uh, uh somewhat, What's the word I'm looking for? Somewhat conspicuously so. This is before Chuckles really started to uh, have conversations and and be a part of what ultimately is going to be their impetus to to leave the tunnels. He seems to have really sort of gone away altogether. No one has heard the chuckle in some time. Uh, how long are we there for? Oh, I, I don't think the Guardians would be able to stay for more than maybe three or four days. Okay, so during this time, maybe like when they're trying to find their people or whatever and Rx is busy or whatever, I'm going to try to go yep. find... I'm not going to do it flicked and just throw open the door, um, but I will go try to find him where I last saw him. Yeah, um, so that room at this point uh, is actually just being used for storage. Um, this is before that poor family has moved in that Flick is eventually going to surprise the shit out of. Um, right now, though, it's just being used for storage, so you're able to go in and sort of feel around. And, you know, you marked that the entrance of the, the secret pass wall, whatever, with a firebolt. Uh, and the mark is still there, but the the wall is solid. Okay. Um, oh, we can't go back and do this, so never mind. Oh, boy. I was just going to, like, Dare write I... something on the wall in, like, Celestial or whatever. Please, no. Please, no. I mean, you could, actually, because they didn't look in there. They saw that there was a family That's living true. there and just... Great. So, sure. Great. Yeah, so I'd, like, write this note on the wall to be, like... Or maybe I do it, like, since they threw open the door, like, outside it, like, on the doorway or something to be, like, he's not here or something like that or he's disappeared. I'm finding out information, like trying to communicate with them, and then instead <laughs> they totally miss it. Great, yeah. excellent. Yep. I love that. I love that. All right. Anything else here in the tunnels? No. Um. But when we get back, I have something. Okay. So you get back then, uh, with those those several kobolds in tow. Do we take them in a cart? Oh my god. No, they are all perfectly capable of walking. You missed me so much. I did. It's true. Um. Okay. So when we get back. Uh, at this point, have I kind of, I'm sure I have, but have I kind of figured out, like, who, like, the top five are, like, the people that are kind of making the decisions or whatever? Actually, it's probably yeah. a top four, huh? Titzer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, cool. So I'm going to kind of try to find, maybe, like, there's a moment where, like, we're all together at a campfire or something and everybody else has gone to bed. I'm going to, like, wait for the right time when it's just me and them. And I am going to uh, tell them the story of Chuckles. And of them and see what their reaction is. Interesting. And I'm definitely going to mention that it's a giant worm with teeth. Okay, that's just going to tell you. I'm going to smack. It's a ghost story because I'm telling it over the campfire. Right, 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 right. Interesting. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that it would. I mean, because the story that you're telling is about a kobold who isn't a kobold, you think. Mm. Who, who what? Like, what about him? Well, like, I was one of the. Was I one of the people that went? I was not, but I've heard. 
from them, kind of what they saw down there. Um, down, yeah, down there, I assume, down. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I I have a list of what the Guardians know and then what things are true about the, the world that they don't know, and I, I don't think that would ring any bells for them. Okay, so then maybe I'll just be like, hey, like, start looking for giant worms. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're, they're like, or we could not, and that feels like a better thing. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll, I'll bring it up to be like, this is something that maybe... Maybe you'll start to see see these things in your books that you didn't see otherwise without uh, the knowledge. Uh, I see, I see, I see. Sure. So they're gonna they're gonna search their books for, for references to giant worms. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. That was it. Okay. Then, um, a few weeks after that, it comes time uh, for, and this is a, a regular thing. They they're not again like this is part of the rituals that they don't want to let you in on. So you don't know how often this happens, but. Suffice it to say, it is time for them to go to Silfson to uh, to get their hands on some new UNT recruits, and they wonder if perhaps you might want to go with them. Definitely, good answer because it's already been said that you did. Excellent. Um, <laughs> that was that is so. Time travel in recording podcasts is weird. Uh, in the episode that's about to come out tomorrow from when we are recording this is the episode that the party finds out that you are off to Silfson and they freak out. I can't wait. I haven't heard this yet. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, they want you to go to Silfson. Um, anything in particular that you want to deal with on the way there? Um, Cause you know that that is, you all can figure out that that's also where your friends were headed. Yeah, for, for sure. I think I knew that, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that you knew the name of the city, but okay. yes. Yeah. Um, so, I think um, I'm doing lots of roguey stuff that definitely gets me to level six. Okay. You're not, but okay. <laughs> Whatever. You said I have freedom. I have no freedom. <laughs> These are shackles on me. <laughs> you created a matronly orc that's treating you like a pet dog. I think I gave you some freedom. Um, What's her name? I hate you so much. Is it Brita? B-R-E-E-T-A? And that's why she likes me. It's like we're the same. Bria and Brita. Sure. Okay. All right. Brita. See, so look at all that freedom I gave you. So much freedom. It's because you don't want to do anything. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> um, okay, but then I think when we're traveling, um, I we have to go over the river, right? No, yeah. that's between. Oh, you we had to go over the river on your way to the kobolds, though. Oh, okay, I want to know how they do it. Is there like something like cast some magic that like freezes everything and then they can walk across? No, they have a portable bridge that they bring with them. Oh, they're really smart. I need to get one of those. <laughs> um, okay, so then when we're traveling, though, I just want to notice, like, this, like, set of, like, logs, like, ten logs that are set up, like, in this really interesting formation. Um, and then there's, like, a big slick thing of mud. And I don't do anything uh -huh. with it, but I just, like, we just walk by it. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I love that so much. I'm a fangirl. I don't know. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think that's it, though. I think I'm just down for the journey. Maybe okay. like, the whole time I'm kind of looking for signs of my friends. Um, I'm trying to figure out the timeline of this. And I think the answer is that you come across this giant section of the swamp that is just like scorched earth. <laughs> and you're like, that has to be them. Great. They made it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So you all get to Silfson and it is, it is locked up tight the guardians go to the gate and uh you know they sort of explain that like generally the yuan don't like outsiders 
but they understand that the Guardians are part of of the deal here on the island, and they always let us in. And they go in, and first of all, it's odd, because it's the middle of the day, and the city gates are closed, which the Guardians seem sort of confused about. Um, and they pound on the doors, and nobody answers. And they, you know, they knock and bang and pound, and and nobody is coming to the doors, and it just doesn't open up. They try to open the doors themselves. They are barred tight, uh, and they're a little bit at a loss. Are there any other ways to get in? Can I, like, fly? You could fly over the walls if you wanted to try that, yeah. Um, other entrances through the wall, no. Are there, are there like, people? Are there, like, sentries? Weirdly, no. It doesn't look like it. So maybe I'm going to scooch back a little so that I'm not a Wendy bird and shot down. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll just fly up to see, like, what I can see. Like, if there's people in there or, like, if everybody's yeah. dead and there's a plague or... Yeah, it's just a bunch of bodies. No, um, so you notice a few things as you fly up. Um, you notice that there's a great big keep on the far side of the island, sort of up a little bit raised up on a hill. And it, there is smoke coming from a portion of the keep. It looks like it's made of stone, so it's not like the keep is burning down, but something in there is burning. Um, you don't see a ton of people walking the streets. Um, but you do see, like, as you get a little bit closer and you can actually make me a wisdom perception check. I forgot which dice was good. (laughs) 15. Yeah. You can see that like, it looks like the town is not very well maintained. A lot of buildings have broken windows and doors that are sort of ripped, look like they're ripped off the hinges. Um, It just looks sort of like a mess, but you don't really see a bunch of people out in the streets, which is also odd because it's basically sort of the middle of the day. And like, if people are going to be out doing business now feels like the time. Since there's no sentries, I'll be kind of communicating this as I'm flying. Sure. What's their response to hearing that, like, all the windows are broken and stuff? They, uh, they're like, are you sure? Like, that, they seem, that doesn't seem right to them. I take out my cell phone, I take a picture, and then I tell them that a building is on fire. Which building? I'll describe it to them. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so they're really concerned about that. And honestly, I don't know that they know what to do. I would say, this is how I become their leader. Um, oh my god. <laughs> um, I would say, since this seems to be like on the other side, um, that we should head over there. Well, so there's no real good way to get to it because the that side of the city is right up against the cliff edge of the whole island. Like that is the edge of the island right where that keep is. Oh, interesting. Is there... From what I can see, obviously, this is only a minute. Um, is there, right. from what I can see, like, for me to unlock this front gate, is this like a lever that I can do by myself, or is this like a multiple person job? It's hard for you to see. The gates are huge, and you have a feeling that whatever, I mean, unless you're going to fly into the city and look at the backside of the door, you can't see, for sure. But, like, it's a big gate, and I bet the mechanism that keeps it closed is pretty hefty. Okay, um... Uh, and Kit had sent me a note, but I never, I have not received that, correct? I think you might have received it, but it didn't really tell you anything, is what we realized. All it really said was that, well, when uh, did... they, they were on their way back. Okay, timeline-wise, though, just metagaming. They sent that, like, a day after they mm-hmm. escaped, so has that Which been means... sent yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you saw the Scorched Earth, then yes. Okay, so then I did receive it. Okay, so then I'm not as con- – actually, now everything makes sense. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. 
You're flying around. You're like, this is so weird. Oh, shit. Well, and then I'm going to ask. I'm going to be like, what was in that big room or that building that's on fire? They tell you it was basically the center of government and like the, the, you know, uh, leader's residence. And I'm going to say, oh, oh, I am (laughs) surprised to hear that. Um, That is a Mm. shock to me. Mm, Deception. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to use this dice. Okay. Oh. Always. Mm -hmm. It's always. Standard. It's always. 20 or 1. It's the only things that lands on. So I crit fail. um, But I also like winked at Brita while I said it. Uh, Yeah, no, she really, they're going to, you're going to have a conversation about this later. But (laughs) for the moment. (laughs) Bad Bria. Bad Bria. Bad dog. Bad. She hits me on the nose. Bad Bria. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think that that then, I mean, for me, since I know my friends are safe. I probably assumed that it was going to look like this when I arrived. Um, mm-hmm. So I am, uh, yeah, I'm I'm fine with leaving. I don't need to. Okay. I, originally, yeah, I was and concerned about their safety, but no, I'm not concerned sure, about that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and they, the Guardians don't know what to do, right? They sent They sent individuals who are not equipped to storm a city to figure out what's going on. They sent individuals who are meant to, like, administer some tests and escort new recruits back to the temple. Uh, so they are perfectly happy to head back to the temple and sort of regroup and figure out what they're going to do because they realize that, like, you know, it's not an immediate pressing need, but ultimately they're going to have to figure out what's going on because if the source of guardians from the yuan corner of the island dries up, that's a that's a problem down the road. Can we um, leave a note? Um, tell me more. Just to, I, I, I picture uh, Martin Luther, is that right? <laughs> yes, nailing <laughs> on the door. <laughs> Be back soon. Sort your shit out. We we came here. We were here on time. You weren't here. I think it's rude. We'll be back. I think I think that is the note that you leave, and the guardians are like, "What the fuck?" So I'm sure that they leave something in that tongue and basically say, "Like, hey, we were here. We'll come back in a month. Sort your shit out. Hope all's well." Great. Best. The okay. Guardians. All right, and you start heading back, and that basically lines us up with the timeline of the rest of the party. So before we wrap this up, any other things that you wanted to get out of the Guardians that you wanted to talk about? Any other questions? This can be in or out of character, since I just had two episodes with the rest of the crew out of character, so. Um, I don't think so, because I think I was asking while we went. Um, They don't know anything about them. They don't know anything about Chuckles. Um, I have figured out how the keys work and all of that, so that's good. Um, are they, especially after doing more research, are they concerned about Flick's siblings? Um, they're beginning to be, yeah. That's a, that's a much longer and deeper scholarly dive because, uh, you know, changing two to three in terms of the history of this one island was one thing, but this is, this is much more major. So they're really going to need to do a lot more research, uh, and look at a lot more things to be fully convinced that that is in fact what is happening. You are convinced, but they are still sort of in the discovery phase. Um, but, but there is concern that if in fact this is true and if in fact his siblings are being successful and if, and if, and if, then yes, that might be a problem, but it's, it's too early for them to, to start panicking. Um, obviously there's the mainland and then this island. Are there any other lands that are known? Not that they know of. Okay. I described to them- This is one of those things that, like, we also talked about that last week, and I can't wait for them to hear this conversation and for you to hear theirs. Um, 
I described to them, I just had this memory from season one, episode one, um, the crest of the hill that I'm supposed to lead everybody to that I didn't remember was my purpose. Uh, <laughs> I described that to them. Mm, I mean, none of them recognize it as a spot on the island. Okay. Thank you for that answer. Mm-hmm. They've never told us anything about like the 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 sky changing or any of that stuff. Uh, no, they thought that was real weird. Okay, but they don't know what it was. Okay, I think those are all of my like open questions right now. Okay, well, we've gone a little bit over, but that's that's okay because it is a season finale, and that's how those things go. Um, so if you're happy, then I think that is where we're gonna leave it for this week. No ladder and hanger. For- this season, I know this is maybe the least sort of ladder hangery season finale, but um, I don't have one. To be honest, no, there isn't a ladder hanger. We've just, we've done a lot of good work sort of putting together uh, lore and mysteries and stuff and really setting you guys up to make some some hard choices uh, for season four in how to proceed. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. And also, choices. it's really good to have you back. Yeah. I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> that is where we're going to leave it for this week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode and the season three finale of The Last Refuge. Re- refuge? Refuge. <laughs> Be sure to listen next week, the beginning of season four, to find out how many episodes of just partying that the four of them are back together we're going to have to sit Yeah, through. kicking it Really, that's again. the question. <laughs> if you enjoyed your listening experience, it would be very becoming of you if you could leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast from. The more five-star ratings and reviews we get, the better our placement on the sites, the better our placement, the more people will get to listen. The review can be short. Clicking the rating only takes a second, and it really does help us out as we want to bring more people into the Last Refuge family. Remember, of course, also that you can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at D&D Last Refuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. Love to have you follow us. Let us know what you think of the show. We also, of course, have our Patreon page where our generous patrons pledge a monthly sum of as little as $1 in order to get membership in an inner circle of fans who gain access to all sorts of cool stuff, uh, like bonus content, early access to certain episodes, and character sheets. Check out everything you can get your hands on at patreon.com slash DND Last Refuge. Right now, we want to thank some of our awesome patrons. Thank you so much to our Shimmer Scale tribe leaders, Los Vargases and Eliyahu of Merc Grove. If you want to get a shout out on the show, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron. We do, of course, also have our website with character and player bios, fan art, and a link to our Patreon. That web address is www.dndlastrefuge.com. We want to thank BattleBards for providing a lot of the fantastic music you hear on our show and D&D Beyond for being generally amazing in every way possible. Check out both of those services at BattleBards.com and D&DBeyond.com. As always, I want to thank Robert Hupp, my story consultant for this campaign, and, of course, all of you for listening. I am your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bria. 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 And Bria. (laughs) Happy gaming, y'all. Yes, I am recording. Okay, and it's as working. am I. And, it's working and I have 17 that. hours and 41 minutes of disk space. Okay, well. Because of. If this episode goes that long. <laughs> <laughs> it might with us. I know. <laughs>